Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for reaching millions of people. Today, I have an amazing guest that is going to teach us the ins and outs of using video, how to just take your cell phone and create amazing short videos that lead people naturally to a sale. I know you're going to be a big fan of that. Andrew, things didn't start there for you, though. They started all the way back. Selling. Yeah, there was a time when, uh, you know, we would use real video cameras and uh, we would say to ourselves, someday, you know, we're going to be obsolete. And uh, that time was somewhere in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I bought side note way back when skateboarding was cool. I bought a digital camcorder that I could hold in my hand. Oh, to yeah. Film skate videos. Fifteen hundred bucks. Oh, yeah, easy. It was probably the Canon, right? With the little arch like halfway through it and the handle. Yeah, yep. Same one you we know. had. Yeah. Anyway, so take us back to where all this started, because one doesn't just wake up one day and be like, I'm really good on video. Where did all of this start for you? Yeah, so I, um, you know, one of the places to pick up the story is I was selling cars. I was a kind of a lifelong salesperson. I had sold toys door to door. I had sold cars. I had sold cars on the road from, from state to state. And I started to notice that um, I start video, everybody was kind of a buzzword of video. And I had grown up doing video, but didn't find that to be very profitable. It was just something we liked to do. And I started to realize that very rarely would you find a video person and a salesperson in the same body at the same time. Uh, a lot of videos you'd see kids coming out of film school even were just poorly made music videos, just, you know, flash, pan, flash, pan, strobe, flash, smash cut, pan. And, you know, they didn't actually know how to sell. And most people aren't very good at selling. Um, so I arrived at sort of a point where I had, you know, I had done the door-to-door -door sales using the impulse factors and using law of averages and really used learning how to fill a pipeline and how to use short motivational statements to move someone, you know, through a sales process. Because you don't walk up and go, you know, do you want to buy this, you know, coloring book set? You kind of manipulate them through this sales process and they become ever more likely to buy as they drop through the steps. So it, it gave me a very unique process based uh, law of averages based approach to sales. And then when it came time uh, to go, wait a minute, so there's this huge gap in, uh, in just people who know how to make videos that sell. And here I know all these car dealers and all these people who own big businesses, and they have no idea how to um, to motivate somebody. They're making videos that are fun, cheeky, and a guy rapping about a Ford Fiesta, but they don't actually know how to how to build on an idea, build a premise and sell through on it, and then give someone the call to action, tell them what to do. Um, so simply by taking salespeople and putting them on, like some people, like friends of mine, they they film uh, like sports cars, and that's their niche or, or scenes or whatever. We just got good at filming salespeople. <laughs> and it, uh, it, it blew up. You know, we went from just my brother and I uh, to, you know, eight or 10 employees to relationships with everyone in auto and speaking in the industry. And, uh, it became like a whole decade of my life. I mean, that's a pretty awesome arc, like started yeah. off selling a lot, like selling, but then like mixed the video stuff. So first off, well, I actually realized one was more valuable than the other, which was what was crazy because one of the things you learn as you learn more about life and the way things work is what's valuable is what's rare. 
So even like business owners, I bump into them a lot of times and they're good at what they do, but they don't realize that the rare part of what they do is only one piece of their whole pie. And they should really just focus on that because that's the valuable bit. But I was starting to realize that, you know, at the time people were so hot for video, there was such a low demand. There was such a low availability. Even if you wanted to get a video, it'd be bad. It wouldn't be salesy. So yeah, we, we, we learned to lean in, not on the thing I was even best at because we were terrible at it in the beginning, but just the thing that would be the most valuable to the market because it was rare. It was the white, the white stag wandering through the UK, if you will. Well, I mean, sorry, so that you, was a meme I just saw. That was a pretty obscure reference. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah, Albino um, stag. I mean, you just touched on one of the best things. I think a lot of people even now are scared to be on video, scared to be on stage. I teach people how to speak on stages. They're scared because they think they have to be perfect. The yeah. people who are making, you know, the Fiesta rap video or any of the other videos might have had a better video, but they didn't have any sales piece in it. They didn't have the CTA. Yeah. They didn't have anyone doing anything. So my question would be, is it important video quality, how you edit it, or is it more important to have a good sales message that builds rapport and moves people along those steps? If there was one over the well, other. I'm going to your, I'm gonna have to answer your question with a redirect um, because okay. the, the proper answer is conditional and it would matter which type of content you're making, which type of video you're making. So the right question to ask is why am I making this video? And for almost everyone who's made videos and either maybe they didn't stick it out, but if they stuck it out and it didn't work, it's mainly because they were just had a really bad plan. Um, I've went to, you know, clients of ours and they've got a guy on the lot who every single car that comes in, he shoots a full video walk around at this car um, and puts it on like a channel. That's enough effort to dominate. Like we can serve those ads. If he's, if he makes one about a certain kind of car to everyone who's shopping for that car from the site, you know, we can really, but he's just posting it on a YouTube. He doesn't really have a plan. So he doesn't really know what is the format for this video. How long should it be? What's the slot? So the thing that, that business owners need to do, and this is sort of like our course is a lot based on helping them build this roadmap, is say, what videos would have functional places in my business? Like a thank you thing for my CRM or uh, you know whatever. Here's the videos I need and here's where they need to go so that they're like parts on a car. And once you have that, then you can start to assess what's the right way to build this part. Is this a social part? And, and part of that is going to determine, is it widescreen? Is it tall? Is it square? Is it 30 seconds long? Does it have music? Does it have titles? Uh, one of the things we learned is we were making 30 to two minute long uh, widescreen videos, very highly produced. They were like a walk around on every model from a, from a manufacturer like Ford. And we would digitally brand the license plate on the car so that it looked like it was your car. When you when a customer got it, they'd be the only one using that series there. And we made a bunch of other really high quality stuff. Really, I mean, um, it was salesy, but it's very well made. Well, we started to learn sometime in like 2016. Oh, wow. People don't like this. We're trying to use this stuff on Facebook, Instagram, use it on different platforms. And they like it. I mean, they like it better than not having a video. Perform great. But it got beat every single time by a dude holding a cell phone just chatting because it, it was too polished. So it was wrong for the format. And, uh, and that's when we were starting to move into paid ads. Originally, our clients were buying these videos and they're just placing them on their website. So we were doing the right thing. We're giving them high quality widescreen. That's the right for that format. So, yeah, to answer your question, that is a different question for every potential video uh, 
destination, whether you're building it to go out in emails, whether you're building it as a reactive ad, whether you're building it as a proactive ad, whether you're building it as part of a CRM response kit, whether it's something that lives on your phone to be sent to a prospect, uh, you know, whether or not it's part of your website experience. And so understanding that video is just the ability to get you in front of the customer. It's not a magic trick. It's not, you know, it doesn't do anything other than transport your facial expression and voice, you know, inflection and everything to them. Um, so once you realize that, then it's just going, what's the customer sales process digitally through my business look like? Where are they? Where are the hallways where they're convening? What are the turnstiles they're passing through? And how do I merchandise those areas with video? That's, I mean, that is a really, really good answer to anyone listening. I just want to point out that although Andrew was already the category king and he was crushing it in the car sales video niche, he still tested like one of the biggest yeah. things that I tell anyone that comes to me that's like, oh, it didn't work for me. Facebook ads didn't work or speaking didn't work or what. I'm like, did you test? Did you yeah. do it more than once? But people have this grandiose sense of themselves, right? Like maybe their inclination of what's good is somehow more valuable than someone else's. I, I say to clients all the time, they're like, this is stupid. This 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 feels like it, it shouldn't work. And I go, I know, I agree. <laughs> I can't figure out why it works either because it's not on me to find the good ideas. It's on me to find good, smart A-B testing and follow the data. That's exactly right. I mean, that makes, that makes me trust you. Anyone who tells well, me we, that we they had have a, an answer... Yeah. Anyone who's sure of anything you shouldn't listen to because that certainty is coming from a place of ignorance. We had a dealer one time, his, his, um, his slogan was, um, it was, it was actually a really, really good guy does a lot for his community, uh, all-star Jeep Dodge Chrysler Ram in St. Louis. And his thing was all-star saves you money. And he was kind of a secondary finance store. And so he threw cash in the air back in the day on the TV or whatever. Right. So I'm building his ads and I would normally never write copy like, client name saves you money, right? With cash emoticons on either side, but it was part of his brand. So I did it. And I have no idea why, but this ad crushed, crushed every time I'd, I'd write five, six other variations. I'd try other stuff every time all-star saves you money would crush. And so I'm like, damn it. You know, I didn't want this to be true. Just like I didn't want shorthand videos to be better than my high quality videos. Cause that was a high bar that only I was getting over. And now nobody was going to need to go down that road, you know, to follow me. And um, so I tried it on a few other accounts, uh, accounts of mine like Auburn Volkswagen that's not about price and would never want me to say anything about price, but also wants me to play the best performing ads. So, so I just wrote Auburn Volkswagen saves you money and put the same stupid little emoticons up there. Sure enough, crush. And so it just turns out there's something in people's mind where they like just don't get into the weeds. Just say who you are and tell me you're going to save me money and I'll react. And so to this day, that copy, we pull it in and out all the time. And it's really hard to find. We've not really written anything that's beaten it. Wow. I mean, that's, a, that's a control test right there. I mean, I've, I'm an old school marketing guy. Like I've studied like Gary Halbert, Gary Halbert and uh, Ogilvy and like all the stuff. And seeing some of their ads still come up today. I'm like, that's 30 years old and that control is still winning. Yep. Um, we're getting, we're getting, and that's one of the geeky, things that like we, it. that we know I, I, this is the geekiest stuff. This is the best because what you just said is the perfect segue, which is when you look at everything, the way to do video, the way to do digital commerce is you look back at things that have worked for a very long time and you figure out how they're being applied. Things haven't actually changed. The medium has. So like right. click funnels is all the rage. Now that's just a sales letter. 
that's just a formation of your introduction. I mean, it's exactly the tra they transpose exactly evenly. So you're 100 percent right. Some of these things that were 50, 60 years old, they haven't gone away. They've found a way to be expressed uh, on these new in these new mediums. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's it's the, the thought that you can actually be digital and build a sales process. When I first meet the customer, show them this, then follow up on the second day with the product they looked at. On the third day, show them a testimonial about, you know, and we can actually talk to them the way you would if they'd stepped inside a store and you can break their interest down. Um, but whether, yeah, whether it's like that process sale for like a super sale environment, whether it's a, a, a style of ad or a catchphrase that used to work or a concept like branding, like in the paper, um, you know, we've noticed that like if we play these product related ads to people, they're not likely to buy on the first time. It's not like an impulse aisle at Walmart. But if I put the products in front of somebody, there's a certain saturation point where now they're kind of more familiar with it, which so that's kind of like what AutoTrader used to do, right? They just mm -hmm. put pamphlets on everybody's door and stand back. And it was a different kind of a saturation marketing. So it's like, yeah, when you when you're able to say my idea works because it's just like this old idea and really do the nerd out. I mean, you know, history's taught me and I have found a way to use that lesson on this new medium type thing. Uh, you know, that's when you're, that's when you're winning because you know, there is no reason to reinvent the wheel here. We're just trying to get the wheel to roll in a new, new platform. Well, I mean, that's talking about auto trader. So I grew up, my dad and I for shits and giggles on, on Saturdays and Sundays would go kick tires. Right. And we would always, he'd pick up the auto traders every week. He knew prices, mm -hmm. he'd highlight stuff. And I can imagine going to a car lot now and giving them your, intro right and saying it's just like auto trader except we've broken it down to do it through video they know exactly yep. what that means they get it right away and they're like if that's true i'll spend any amount of money you want because auto trader i think it's still around but it's not it's not nearly well, and not only not that but most of these companies they have products i mean most of your listeners are business owners they have products whether those are digital coaching products or hats or chiropractor appointments or whatever it may be, right? So mm -hmm. what we're doing is not just video, we're actually doing product sets. And so what type of product you're interested in is now in the set. So just to use an example, if you sell multiple kinds of like hair cream, lotion, stuff like that, you can break those into product sets. So the videos aren't just videos, they're videos introducing certain products and saying these products are great. And then below them are those products for sale. That's a store. And if people understand how to combine the things that are in the Facebook, Instagram toolkit and use them to create a sales experience and not just an ad that goes, you want to buy some hair cream? All right. You know, uh, and they understand how to kind of build a funnel, build a flow and really combine video with, with product sets, which are always very, um, I mean, I'm not gonna say they're very easy. They weren't easy when I got started, but they're also not hard like Spanish or anything else. Once you know it, you know, you can't imagine not knowing it. It's not hard. And if you have a business that sells products and you haven't investigated how to build product catalogs in Facebook and then present those catalogs individually to people and find your audience for each product style and product line, um, whew, you're missing the boat. And then when you have something like that, you're able to go get testimonials for each product. And guess where that goes, you know, in that product set ad set thing and you you literally kind of just build out little little e thought processes around all your products and i mean if, if it, it's a month and a half worth of work and it would fundamentally change the way people run their business and grow their business more importantly hey i just wanted to take a quick break from this episode are you enjoying the stories so far would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. 
Well, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir, but the thing that I want to point out to anyone listening, if you didn't catch what Andrew just pointed out so well, it's not about the tactic. It's about the strategy behind the tactic, having the right strategy and laying out those pieces lets you know where you need to use the tactic to get the result that you want. Um, specifically, I want to ask you about testimonials because that's one of the things that I teach. I'm like, if you don't have a funnel that takes people and shows people testimonials and seeds different outcomes, people don't know yeah. what they're getting. So how do you do that in the car world? Well, in the car world, we we coach a lot of our clients. In fact, the course that we developed was actually stuff that I've just been saying to people for the last year, personally coaching them as employees of the clients. And one of the things that happens, the risks, the two major risks that you have, you're long-winded, you lose my attention, I'm done. You come off as self-serving. So the, the point of me watching this isn't to learn something of any substance. It's just to hear how great you are. So you have to come in without those two things being noticed, you know? And so what we coach people on is just very simple. It's three questions, especially for a car. Car is very easy because you're always there with the person. Car sits in the background. So we, we show them how to walk for one, walk a little bit away from the product so that it's over your shoulder in the background. Further you get from something, the smaller it gets. Stand with the other person right there in the frame, hold the phone yourself you know, so that you're close to the microphone. These phones are designed to rule out background noise and, and include in, you know, foreground noise. So if you're too far away from the phone, it's actually filtering you out. It's working against you rather than working for you. So keep the phone close to your face, keep the person right by your side and just ask three questions. Hey, I'm here with Janet. Janet bought a, you know, a Honda Accord today. Janet, what's your favorite part of the Accord? Janet starts talking because it's an easy prompt. She's there for the product. She doesn't really care about you. Now, me, the listener, I think I'm going to hear something about the Accord. I got there in three seconds. Now Janet's talking, so I'm going to hear how she sounds. So you're getting me through that first bump, right? Oh, I love the Accord. Back seat's nice. Nice power. You know, if she says something great, maybe ask about it. So what do we like about the power? Okay, so that's the first question. Second question is then you make eye contact the first time and say, and then how did I do? And that's the first time it gets corny, but you get it out in two syllables, right? How did I do? And she goes, oh, you did great. Fantastic job. Great listener. Boom. Then you say, if somebody else was in the market for an Accord or even a sedan, who would you tell them to come see? Um, So, you know, in this way, the thing always comes out 35 seconds long. I've attached it to a product. So there's a place for it to go in my funnel. I've had them speak about me and what the process is that somebody can expect. Hopefully that pushes a button somewhere. That's a concern somebody had. And then I, and then I have her instead of me tell them what to do about them being in the same situation she is oh definitely come see bobby he's the best right so you can do that with pretty much any product you know tell me about the product you buy what's your favorite part of it not why'd you buy it or whatever just tell me what you enjoy about the product and then boom and then how was the shopping experience or how did i do or how was our store for you oh it functioned great easy quick shipping great so even if you got somebody on like a zoom like this and you shot your testimonials this way i don't want to hear a two minute three minute testimonial and you also don't want to hear these long sentences. You just want to hear, boom, great, fast, it's fun. Oh, you did great, really good listener. Oh, definitely, come see Mark, he's great. That's it. That's all I really want to know, but I want to hear it from different people, to your point. I want to be able to go to one point, like a website, or have you serve them all to me as ads, and I want to hear five or six people echo essentially the same sentiment about you, but it's got to be fast. I don't need to hear them say lots of things. I just want to hear them kind of map you and say the same thing over and over again about you. And uh, yeah, so anyways, keep it short. And a way to avoid being self-serving is never start off with how did I do product? How's the, why did you, what did you like about the product? What did you like about the sales experience or like about me? What would you tell somebody who was in the same shoes you're in and what should they do? 
That's awesome. I mean, you just gave like a mini masterclass on testimonials. Um, <laughs> mine's, I like the stuff I use is slightly different because it's coaching, but it's basically the same. It's three questions, get it done fast. Um, it, you could say the same. What's your favorite part of the course? What was yeah. the part that, that you enjoyed the most or got the most value from? You what know? got the outcome? Great. And the, yeah, how was the course? Did it fit? Did it work for your lifestyle? Oh, it's great. Easy to do. Great. You know what I mean? If somebody else was looking to grow there, you know, whatever. Yep. What would you recommend they Same. do? You don't, you don't say, would you recommend my course? You say, what would you recommend they do? Because the syntax will force yep. them to say they should go and sign up for your course or whatever, you know? That's awesome. Um, man, like you have a wealth of information. So I want to, I want to pivot just a little bit because I'm sure there are people listening to this and they're like, well, how do I use video? Cause I've, I've told people for a long time, you have to use video. It's easy. People want to hear your tone. They want to see your face. So many people get hung up with like the technical aspect. So you're telling people they can use their phone. Is that, yeah. if, if that's the no, only I'm thing they have? What, I'm, I'm saying I had $80,000 worth of camera equipment. I had 12 employees and I learned that me standing there with my cell phone produced a more functional video that people would consume more of that would take more motivated actions because of and would bounce from less frequently um, by going no music. If there's any editing, it's the sort of editing, just trimming that you could do on a phone um, and having it be a little rough. Um, and so we, we learned that, like, imagine that you're selling like, you know, ping pong balls or this is a horrible analogy, but you find out there's no need for ping pong balls in the world anymore. And you've got a million dollar company making ping pong balls. I mean, this was not a revelation that I was fond of. And we knew it for a year. I didn't do anything about it. It was like getting a diagnosis. You're not real fond of like, Oh man, the world's going to change soon. And a, you're going to be able to make better stuff with a phone than people think. Like it's mm -hmm. going to get better than they assume it is. You know what I mean? And then, so you're going to have competition that had no budget. And that was like the first thing we were going to, we were worried about. But the thing that I kept having on my mind is how do I, how am I going to be the best at this? Great. Anyone can do it. Fine. You know, you find out you have a private school education and you're, you're in a lucky spot, you know, and you find out, nope, everybody can play. You're like, so you either shrink from that factor. You go, well, how am I still going to be the best? And so for me, what it came down to was sort of leveling the playing field with some basic production techniques, which we outline in the course, just how to light a shot, how to, you know, how to frame, get people in the right spot based on aspect ratios, you know, how to build three X scripts that are easy to perform, easy to write and actually motivate people, you know, how to go over and, and, and make a video and how to hold the actual phone. So you function as the tripod. So this way, when you look at the video, you don't hate it. That's the first step. And then it's just getting them to make enough of them. Um, but that's, that really is the thing that you mentioned something earlier about people acting odd about getting in front of the camera. This is like a leftover impulse from like the 1910, you know, era when if you had a stupid looking hat on or a pair of overalls that were your brothers that day and somebody snapped a photo of you, people thought you liked stupid hats or pants that didn't fit because that was the only picture of you that existed, right? Your kids, like you knew it was going to be at your funeral because it's one of three pictures taken of you. So I'm sort of at a spot where I take so much video. Look, look at how terrible my hair is. So I'm not concerned somebody's going to say, oh, he's got terrible hair. There's tons of video of me out there. They're going to say he's having a bad hair day, which is very different. And so the idea is to get over that. Oh, God, I don't look great. Well, you know, we, we've said this to sales guys we've been training. And he said, well, I got to say, I, I just I'm just too ugly for video. And we're in a big thing. I said, well, I got to tell you, man, if you really believe that, you might need to go home because you might be too ugly just to talk to a customer in general. Like, I don't know if you know this, but we can see you. <laughs> it's like the video is not the one to blame. It's just showing you you. And so it allows you to groom 
um, I have a real bad habit of adjusting my shoulder like this. And I noticed it on video and now I've tried to like rinse it out of my personality. I'm like adjusting my shirt or something. It's like a nervous tick I noticed <laughs> on video. And uh, so people find these things, they look at the video, there's things about themselves they don't like, but the idea is that it gives you a way to go and correct and address everything you see that you don't like. And so video is one of the unique things that just doing it is the reason to do it, just to get better at it, just to understand that this is a core competency that matters. So to answer your question, when things started turning and we're like, what are we doing? The answer was, we're going to, we're going to set up a baseline of things that make the video not look terrible. And then we're going to focus on training people how to deliver the messaging while they're in front of the camera that matters. Because imagine you're a sales guy leaving voicemails. And that's like the way you're able to get to people is leaving voicemails. That's all the video is. So we want to make sure that voicemails slam it where people have the tools to create a script based on whatever they want to sell. And they know how to quickly get in front of the camera and make a quick plan and just say it and not invest more than four or five minutes on a piece of content. You know, if you want to say happy birthday to everyone in, in your funnel, I mean, you could just make a message like that and then it'll serve on its own. You know, so it's like, being able to lower the bar so that a video doesn't seem like a big deal. Another sidebar story for you here. We have a client that said, you know, I just can't get these guys to do the videos. I don't understand. And, he, and I said, well, dude, they respect you. They would do pretty much anything else you said. Like, let me ask you this. If you asked them all to go move 10 cars, sweep underneath them, would they have done it? And he goes, oh yeah. Okay. So what that tells us is that they actually think making one video is more of a challenge, more of an ask personally than sweeping underneath 10 cars. So we don't need to ask them for more effort. What we need to do is show them that it's actually, there's not, it, there's nothing there. There's nothing to expense yourself about. The, the juice is worth the squeeze. You know, if, you, if you'll go move 10 cars and take 30 minutes doing that, this takes one tenth the time and you don't even gotta go outside. So for most people, it's the same problem. They need to eliminate the concern of doing a video. If you're going to do a video, you should get nervous three seconds before you hit record, not the night before. <laughs> and so for most people, you know, it's just a little bit of exposure to seeing themselves, hating it, correcting it, doing it, and understanding that as I'm doing this, I'm functionally getting better every day. Like my daughter swimming. She never regresses. Every day she's a little better, you know. Well, video is one of the few things that's like that. So you just have to lean in and understand what a valuable skill it is. And then once you have it in your pocket, then you'll see that video is a solution for so many problems. So I so many problems when facebook live was first getting going like 16 17 i taught people how to do facebook lives and i had a lady she was like she sent me this email and she's like i hate you i've been staring at my camera for eight hours i have the script i know what i'm gonna say and i can't i can't do it and then she did it the next day and now she does it all the time but it's yeah. It really is just getting like exactly what you said. Take the first baby step, get it done. Know that you're not going to be that great, but know that you're going to get a little bit better. And before you know it, it'll be perfect. It'll be like something you don't yep. even know is there. We uh, we use the artillery reference a lot with our clients and in our training. Um, I don't know if you can see, I have a big brass giant bullet back here. But this is from a 105 millimeter uh, howitzer. I was, this is what I did when I was in the military. We always try to remind people that, you know, all these people living in the desert, our job was never to shoot the round where it was supposed to go on the first try. Our job was to put a round out there and somebody else would go adjust 50 up, left, right, you know, and you'd make slight adjustments and get on center that way. And a lot of times, like you said, people don't want to fire the shot because they're not convinced it's going to land in the circle. Let me break the ice for you. It's not. It's not gonna, it's not supposed to, and that's fine. And you have to go into it realizing that just because you made a video, it doesn't commit you to showing it to anybody, at least not the whole thing. Clip out the five minutes you can stand or the 30 seconds or take a screenshot where you smiled in a way you didn't hate or just throw it away. 
But at the end of the day, it is your job if you want to have if you want to be successful to understand that you're not going to go out there, you know, you throw the first pitch at the Yankees. You know, they warm up behind the behind the scenes, right? They go to the pitcher's mound, they throw a few. Take that time for yourself and get used to seeing what you see in front of the camera. And you're going to go, you know what? What do I hate about this? Well, the background is a little this, but but could I move that? Could I come up with the light source there? Could I cut my hair different? Should I wear a shirt that's not as shiny? Whatever the hell it is that you hated about the video, just do it again and try to try to touch on that a little bit. And and what ends up happening is, you know, the old thing about like you bring in a college quarterback to the NFL and everything is like, and in the beginning, the only thing that they're worried about is like literally not getting their feet caught on the center. They're not seeing their girlfriend in the crowd. She's a mile away. You know, they're not reading the defense. And then things start to slow down if you've done it a few times. And when we first start getting in front of the camera, like that lady you're describing, she has 37 of her own voices yelling at her while she's calmly staring at the camera. You know, do it, don't do it. You're gonna sound stupid. And they're all arguing. It's Herman's head if it was a bar, right? And so over time, those, those nervousnesses start to evaporate when you've done a thing more than 10 times or when a things went wrong you were afraid of and you realized well that didn't hurt me i just redid it you know like so over time you you know like like people are afraid of spiders they just keep shoving spiders in their face over time you realize what what the hell am i i don't need a higher heart rate to make a video this is not a big deal and it's kind of getting to that plateau that allows you to, to design the rest of your you know, creative out what, what else you do well on a video, because that's when your mind is calm enough to just do the performance and not be so busy uh, thinking about the video and holding the camera, you know, and trying to make sure yeah. you're in the frame or whatever. It's like, once all that stuff is second nature, uh, then you can focus on literally just being a voicemail with a smile. That's awesome. The, I mean, I agree. I have a question that this kind of points to, I would just love your thoughts on it. So Dan Kennedy, first mentor I ever had, uh, 2013, he told me, because I had I had a whole bunch of those voices in my head, right, that whole discussion going. And he was like, the amount of money that you make is directly related to how little you care about what anyone thinks about you. And you just do the stuff you do what you're here to do. It took I mean, I still have struggles with that every time I'm outside of my comfort zone, right? But my comfort zone over the years has grown. What is a tip or a tactic or a conversation or something that you do or you would tell your clients to do, whether it's video or whether it's something else, to get those to get on the other side of those voices, to get out yep. of the seeking this one's approval? Easy. Um, this one's very, very easy. So when I was young selling toys, there was a guy that I sold toys with us. And when I didn't know what to do as a 17-year-old kid, I would say, what would Quincy do? And I, and cause Quincy, he would, he'd walk right up to her, give her his number, you know, like it became like a, what would Jesus do? It was like an avatar of my mind where when I was out of decisions, I just gave up the decision stick and handed it to an imaginary person, let them make the decision. And I would, you know, I, I would, it was an easy way to impart whatever confidence I didn't have, but I knew someone that did onto me, get it to become part of my decision-making chain. Over time, I started to realize that the real way to do this, and this is the real advice, is to say, what would 30-year-old me wish I did? Now that I'm 38, I'm like, what would 50-year-old me wish I did? So that's on every decision I have. Now, now this is the North Star that rules my life. What do I eat? You know, I'm like looking at the candy bar. I'm looking at, well, 50-year-old me is going to say, I don't care at all about some sugar in the mouth. You know, let's stay yeah. healthy. Uh, and so whether it's a minute decision or whatever, the ability to make decisions from the perspective of a future you, what will I wake up tomorrow and go, damn, I'm glad like 
we, one of our jokes we have internally in the company is we always say like, thanks past Dave. Like my, uh, my director of operations is Dave. And I can't tell you how many times we, a day we say thanks past Dave, because we'll find something named already for us or in a folder or neatly ready for next month. When we go back to look for it, like, Oh, I feel like we've been here before and set the T for ourselves. Um, so yeah, when you, that and fully understand why you're doing video. Try to understand the real goal and what you hope to achieve by it. When the juice is worth the squeeze, the behavior is always easier to, to, to you know, to, to patternize and get yourself to do. But yeah, that those are the those are the two pieces. Is is uh, take care of future you and make sure that you understand that you might be nervous now. But in a decade, like, you know, they said Columbus, you know, you move the ship 10 degrees, you land in Mexico. Understand that you're picking your path right now. And future future you will will not have any regard for vanity or ego of current you. It's like those are, you, you know, if you think back of yourself five, six years ago, that person's always a foolish idiot and you don't have any regard for their comfort. Right. It's like just get it done. So impart that sort of logic in the moment realizing there is a future you that will exist and just let them make the decisions once in a while awesome i i think that is great advice um okay so i want to jump into kind of the technical stuff just a little bit because i think people are going to ask so use your phone external mic yes no does it matter uh, no. And one of the mistakes that you'll see people make all the time, we call it the, in the training, we call it the Grand Canyon effect is whatever they're filming. They're like, go, like, like, go for a pass, go, go deep. You know, and the person they're taking a picture of is I can see four feet below their feet, four feet above their head. And they're, you know, so part of it is when you frame somebody in a shot, they should be consuming at least 30% of the frame. So, and if it's, if it's vertical, probably more like 70% of the frame. So when we show a lot of, we go into a lot of like framing and how to actually frame yourself. Um, but so that's really way more important is how you set it up and how you, uh, you know, use the shot than it is anything else. Okay. Got it. That's good. Um, and then, so we've talked about vertical and we've talked about horizontal landscape, vertical square. If you had to pick one, just to make it easy for somebody getting started, what do you think is the best? What do you think they should? I think if you're going to use this as an ad and you really should learn how to build simple video content and run it as an ad, targeted ad for your business. But if you're not running it as an ad, and there really is no reason to avoid just regular widescreen. Uh, one of the things we teach in the training, again, is a way to kind of hold the phone with your fingers on the back. It's kind of like the way you do the disappearing card trick if you're at all into magic. Um, and so it gives you a brace on the phone and we show people how to hold it at a right angle. So when you extend your arm all the way, you actually end up in the perfect spot. You become the tripod and it, and it follows you. You don't impart shake much on your, on your own hand. And so really getting this technique down, this is the go-to video move. Um, for people that follow me on Facebook, if you start arguing with me on Facebook, I will just pull the phone out and make you a two minute video response. I'm not going to sit here and type all day. And, uh, you know, and, and that, again, that's because I've gotten the bar down to where actually just doing this and pull my phone out, walking away, finding some shade is easier. It takes less time. You know, it's not, it doesn't me give People are always like, oh my God, you went out of your way, made me a video. It's like, I don't think you understand. That was the lazy thing to do. <laughs> that was not me trying to impress anybody. Um, so yeah, widescreen is the way to go, but also don't, you don't need to sell, you know, you don't need a tripod. You don't need anything like that. You need to really practice, uh, this grip that allows you to hold the phone securely, hold it away from your body. You're always looking back down your arm. And then I don't know if you can see me for the people who are just on the audio, I'm sort of making the letter T like you would. I always say, tell people, uh, imagine you're in the YMCA, but you're the letter T. 
if your arms are all the way out, then your camera ends up looking back down your arm and across your body. So rather than the background being behind you, which is sort of unmanageable, the background's actually off to your left. So it's anything you point at. So it gives you actually some screen space to kind of walk around. You can show off different products or you can have a person there ready to do a testimonial. So that's really our, if this is karate, this is our base stance is this wide screen with the grip where you just pull the phone out. You can start, stop it with your thumb. It's all built perfectly. So you don't need any editing. Um, and that's the way that you're going to use 80% of your videos on email. Widescreen's fine. CRM responses that are automated, which is essentially email, you know, widescreen's fine on your website. Widescreen's fine. If you're using like a text service, you know, to get a video to somebody, widescreen's fine. Really the only time when you want to get outside of that is when you're trying to make an ad that you want to have play on different platforms. So like whether that be mobile or Instagram stories, then you want to look at maybe a square or a four or five vertical or a taller vertical, and that'll give you better placement when you're really in the pro mode you are filming like we are now with our cameras trying to make it look like we did it on our phones <laughs> um which imparting fake shake later and you know and the reason we do that is it allows us to capture a larger frame and then we actually snip a vertical a horizontal and a square out of that so that's sort of like the next level and we we take them all but if you have to pick go widescreen Okay, that is a great answer. The next thing I have is a little bit uh, still saying in the tech side, if you're using it for email or text, how do you do that? What's um, when I email them, I upload them, I usually either do a loom video if I'm on my desktop, or I shoot it through, uh, I shoot it on my phone, and I will send it through Facebook, or if it has to be email, I'll upload it to YouTube and then put the link. You have any, any yeah. hacks for that? Well, it, again, it always depends, right? Um, if you've set your site up really intelligently, then getting me to your site tells you that I went to my site with pixel information. So if it's me, I'm gonna host a YouTube video on a landing page. I'm gonna go into my, you know, my my web browser, ClickFunnels or whatever it is. I'm gonna add a page, then I'm gonna add the video there, even if it's a personalized video for you, so that I can track your visit and I can remarket you based on the fact that you watched the video. That's how I know you hit play is that I see you show up on the page on my site, right? So I know you opened the email. So if I'm sending out an email blast of that video, now everyone who opened the blast, they're gonna consume the video on my site, I'm gonna be aware they did it, and this allows me to retarget them a day later and go, I know you saw the video, so let's, and this way, this is that sort of conversational ad funnel that we're talking about. So it doesn't, I'm, I'm always wanting someone to watch a video but what i really want to do is know they watched it so that i can follow up and say something relevant to the fact that i know they watched it got it that's so for I mean, me i would host it there you also could do another really good trick to do is like just to give you an idea you can hyperlink the video from wistia or from youtube or from anything like that take a screen grab of the video where it doesn't look like you're about to sneeze and actually put a fake play button on it. Canva is an amazing free app if you don't wanna learn everything there is to know about Photoshop. You can actually put in a semi-transparent play button on the side as an asset. And then every time you do this, you just pull in the, the freeze frame and you put a fake play button over it. And that creates an image. So you pull the image into the email and you hyperlink it to the video. This way it feels like the video is right there in the email, but you can still get them on the redirect and, and tag them. I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people 
one of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. That's, that is great advice. I do that quite a bit. Do you ever, so you talked about texting a little bit. Do you, when in the funnel, do you get to sending texts to people with a video? Does that ever happen? Or is that like a very specific like follow-up clause? What's yeah, it it doesn't necessarily happen so much in my in my funnel. If you go to my website and you try to schedule an appointment with me, I now know you've been on that page. If you schedule an appointment, I go to a thank you page. So I now know you've been to that page, right? So if I get you on one page, but I don't see you on the other page then I know you were there and didn't schedule. So you'll actually trigger a video that says like, I'm out, about to tee off and I'm like, yo, what's going on? You know, I saw you went to my page, but you didn't book anything. You're just being nosy, trying to figure out when I'm golfing. No, but for real, I'd love to talk to you. So I like building all these little Easter eggs in. So if I get you to click once, this whole realized, pre-realized conversation is just going to flow out of that experience. And you're going to feel like I'm texting you every day just because the platform is built that way, right? Um, so I don't really do a lot of texting. I mean, we've been really fortunate and we started this company with nothing and 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 built it during the, the most recent one here during a pandemic. And we've done it all with referrals. So most of my client, I haven't paid for any advertising or made any cold calls. So most of it is I get a text and it says, hey, Mark, this is Andrew. Andrew, this is Mark. Mark's trying, you know, Andrew be great fit. He helped us. So you should talk. So uh, most of it has just been regular texting. And when I send those videos, it's just a flex to show them this guy really lives, the, you know, he, he he's, he's walking the talk. Hey, Mark, can't wait to talk to you. And it's really just to show them, you know, that I believe in what I'm doing, but it hasn't been instrumental. And in, I, I haven't used it to prospect or anything like that. Um, it is a challenge to do. And the reason for that is SMS reduces the, the you know, the, the quality of it so much. You really almost need like a third party app, like a bomb bomb or, you know, quick page or something like that. Um, so, you know, the, whether, whichever one of those you use and what those do is basically build a URL that it can link it to, and it just does it quickly for you. Right. So, um, so anyways, some, some combination of that, I don't use it a ton, but I do coach a lot of, uh, salespeople for, for our clients. And that's a daily part of their job. I and mean, what in our training also is how to make these sort of communicative videos in, while the sales thing is still going on. And most of it that we focus on is showing off the unique work that you're doing. So we have them go out with a folder. The folder already has their name on it. All their wants, anything they wrote in the email is written on the cover of the thing. And the thing isn't even about selling them the product. It's about selling them the experience. We focus on all the things we're going to do. Let me know when you're going to get here. I'm going to get it washed up. I'm going to get, you know, whether you want me to get multiple ones pulled up, I've got a bow. If you want to throw a little thing, I've had them hidden behind the bed. So we just give them all these ideas of the experience that we could sell. Uh, but no, it hasn't been a big part of my business. But I think if you have clients that you can text and you're not going that extra mile to to not just communicate with them about the purchase or the product, but to, about the process and also to show them like one of the, the rubs of the video we do with training is that they're sweating. I've walked 100 yards, Brenda, you know, for you and I would do it again. Um, you know, so that's a big part of what you're selling in the video is, uh, you know, your your likability and your personal work ethic and the fact that you might be fun. So if you have an opportunity to get that in front of a customer, um, you know, you got to do it. I I agree. I think that is awesome. I think that's to your point that you mentioned way at the beginning of the interview, like fancy, really well edited, perfect video worked for television 
way back when, but now everybody feels like that's a fake thing. That's why they want to see the real yeah. video. They want to see somebody sweaty. They want to see somebody being yep. real. And they, everyone's done so many FaceTime calls, especially during COVID. They're just used to that. That comes across as authentic versus yep. the perfect. Well, and the and the old style was like Ford Fiesta, two ninety nine a month, and only you know. And if you're not into the Ford Fiesta, then you're like, who cares? So again, a big part of our training is to start with a problem. We call this the vanilla ice. If you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook. So Perfect. the idea is first, first you describe a problem or a premise, then you describe your unique workload or effort that goes into solving that problem, the thing that you uniquely do to, to help them avoid that consequence, and then you just tell them what action to take. So like I've had dealers that say things like, you know, our, uh, like again, a lot of our clients are automotive that say things like one of our unique advantages is we don't pressure people. In other dealerships, they're hiding in the bushes, ready to jump out. We don't do that. Okay. He's like, so how do I turn that into a video? And right out of the algorithm in our training, it's first you create the problem. So right now all you've given me is a solution. So what is the problem to that solution? You know? So then the ad comes out, problem, solution, call to action. Right now, customers have more choice than ever. They can buy a car any way that they want to buy a car. But one thing customers don't want is to be hounded the moment they step out of their car. Boom. So that's our problem premise, right? But here at Peoria's Volkswagen, we don't do that. We never pressure our customers and we let you take the time to decide how you want to buy your next vehicle. Boom. Solution. Unique solution. So if you're in the market for a car and you want a stress-free experience without all the pressure, then come see us or click on the link below. So it's like this same formula works and it makes for a more consumable video that it starts off not with like like, you're, like what we were saying about this TV broadcast message where it's just sort of like, here's a product and you can purchase the product. Instead, yeah. every ad has to be, there's a problem that exists. And with our unique approach and this unique quality of the product, you won't have that problem anymore. So if you're tired of that problem, then come buy the thing or click the thing or watch the thing. And if you really just follow that, not only is it make an ad that's consumable, three act structure, it actually works as a sales video. It's easy to write. You can back up any problem and stuff it into that formula. But what's really important is it's easy to perform. You're not memorizing a nine sentences. If you're a sales guy, by the time you spit out the problem, you already know what to do. So for like, you know, you're coaching. If you ever had, you know, problems with growth and you just feel like what you're doing is not working. Now, anyone who's nodding is like a fish hitting the bobber. You know, you got to do yep. set the hook. You know what I mean? Well, with this training, but you know, so that methodology of speaking problem premise and then call to action, uh, that's as much as the format matters and ditching all the music and the graphics, ditching all the thing where I assume you care is the most important thing. I'm gonna make you care in the beginning. And if I say, you get tired of dog fur all over everything, and if, if your answer is no, all right, bet. See you next time, homie, you know, like I missed. Uh, but with targeted ads, I don't normally miss. Um, I know something before I pretend to ask it. Uh, but yeah, that that really is the, the the key, is ditching that format where we just sort of errantly talk about, well, you know, 499, or you can get this, or this is how it works on your feet. And instead going, do you have bunions? Or, you know, and someone goes, I got you, I do. Oh, wow. Glad I asked. But the reality is with targeting, I already knew that before I, you know, so that, that to me is the more important format change is getting the messaging right behind it and not just changing the way that it looks. But you, you see all the time that brands that just take their TV commercial and pump it on Facebook for yeah. a couple thousand dollars and just stand back and there's no remarketing. So if I'm watching the ad and I'm like, honey, this is amazing. There's still no yeah. like real follow, you know, there's no way for me to interact in an ad in a way that cues a second or third ad. Well, I mean, the remarketing stuff is that's like it, that's the main thing that I think makes the difference between 
success and not because you're probably not going to get them the first time you'll get some but like yeah. being able to do that over and over and put them through a funnel like that um, that's kind of outside of the topic of conversation the um the last question that I have for you, you, you alluded to it earlier when you were talking about, you know, what, what would I want when I was 50? Um, that's how I try to make decisions. If you could go back and tell yourself you're 38, if you could go back to 25 year old Andrew and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Buy up domains. There were only $7. People were like, I would have bought Amazon stock. You didn't have any money, homie. You still, you know, it could have 10 drupled and you still don't, you know, but there's websites for $7 like bestbuy.com before they thought of it. You know, every national corporation came around to that idea. Um, but no, I, I think the, the more important thing that I wish that I would tell young people, if not myself, because is if you want to make a lot of money, but you don't want to run a business, you want to own a business. The way to do that is to, is to develop. If you have a core skill set now, develop a complementary skill set to that skill set. And sales can always be that one thing. If you like sewing and you know how to sell, baby, you're there. You got two things you can do. So now you can build a company around that. So think of a company, like especially a startup that I've been involved in several you got five or six people. Think of it like a band or a bank robbery, right? You need a guy to play guitar. You need a guy to, you know, you need the safe guy. You need the getaway driver. Everybody's got a role. If you want to make a lot of money, you need to to, to focus 100% of your energy like it's a race on uh, developing those two highly marketable skills that work in concert with each other. So a lot of my employees make, you know, well over six figures. And it's because they actually do two different things for me that are valuable. I've got a guy who creates you know, video content, but he also manages the, the content. I have a guy who runs the whole data side of the business, but he also manages the Facebook ads and, and the communication side. I've got a guy who does all of our CTO work, but he also builds and writes ads. So um, anyways, if you, whatever it is that you do, think about the complementary skill set that you don't have. Think about if I was on my ideal team, right? Could I play forward and point guard? Because then I, as the coach or the owner of the team, I can pay, let's say I'm going to pay the coach, you know, the point guard a hundred grand. I'm going to pay the forward a hundred grand. I can pay you 280 to play both. You know what I mean? Because I don't get the communication buffer. It's just you doing it. I can ask you to stay late. I don't got to train anybody else. So understand it, that the value, again, back to something we talked about earlier, comes from scarcity, comes from being rare. And so if you can have a set of skills that you can't find in another person and a person's dumb enough to let you in the door and let you start building value for them, don't worry about getting paid right away. Let them let you be part of their team. Do these two super important roles you know, for them and then say, yo, I need to get paid after having produced the value. And, and that's one of those things where I see people, they're just so backwards. They're like, what can I get from an employer? Which ultimately that's the goal, yes. Um, but by allowing them to need you, you become more valuable. So like I always say, like if Mark Cuban ever called me and said, you know, I want you to come be part of my team. He's like my, my star crush. You know, I, the last thing I would ask him is how much am I getting paid, Mark? I wouldn't care. It wouldn't even be the question. It's what are you putting me in charge of? If you're going to make me the general manager of the maps, give me a year and then you're going to want to pay me, homie, because I'm going to kill it. Right. But if so, so come in with that mindset of like, can I get responsibility instead of hours? Like I've had people who went in, negotiated really well for themselves and make a great living, but then they can't hold it down and they end up getting, right. you know, so to so get valuable before you get paid and, and, and double, double your skills up in one genre. And, and that's how you get there. I think, okay, so that is great advice. 100% agree. Something that I will comment on, I think, I mean, you and I both own businesses. We're entrepreneurs. We've built several things. And I think the the skill set that you just talked about, not the skill set, the mindset, because I've I've talked to 
my brother-in-law, I've talked to people in my family, I've talked to friends who are all in that employee zone, right? And they're like, oh, there's no way I'm doing that. I have to get paid. I'm like, you're you're missing it. I think you touched yeah. on something that separates, I mean, successful entrepreneurs from because we're we didn't get started because of a paycheck. We wanted money. We knew that we needed to do that, but we were we knew we needed the skills first, right? Yeah. We learned the skills. Some people truly believe that value predicates pay, and other people they don't believe there's a relationship there. Yeah. Like I said that to an employee one time, you get what you're worth. And he goes, no, you get what you asked for. And I go, and I was like, no, you get what you asked for if you're worth it. <laughs> like we could do this all day. You just keep hitting this tennis ball back and forth, but you can ask for whatever you want. And the answer is going to be no, unless you've demonstrated to the business owner that you're going to provide more than you're getting paid. That's the, that's the exchange they're looking for. So yeah. go in and provide $280,000 worth of value. Then tell me they won't pay you 120 grand. Absolutely. Perfect. Andrew, tell us a little bit about the website, the little videos. Big products, right? Take big results. There. Little videos, big results. results.com. I was amazed it was available. No, uh, little, little videos, big results is, is a business development course that we put together that goes over everything from scripting to, to how to make an ad planner for your unique business. Uh, it involves private coaching at the beginning to help you pick exactly the ads that you should go make and use our script. Uh, algorithm creator so you have all your scripts and you know exactly how to go make them it includes more coaching at the end of your first five videos so you can make sure that, that things are going well and that they're working uh private coaching uh and it goes over everything from how to make non-video assets like boomerangs and screen recording videos to uh how to make all the formats work to how to make ads how to write ads how to write testimonial ads we go over how to do like sitting testimonials that are edited how to do stand-up ones so it's a whole business development kit of these are the videos your business needs these are the techniques you're going to need to make these videos uh right now drum roll for listeners of the podcast if you guys go to little videos big results it's in beta test with our clients right now it's not actually available but you'll get a free download of the uh first part of the series which is how to make all the videos with a cell phone pretty much everything i was kind of alluding to here but without all the background uh and you'll get that right now as a free download and you'll get two weeks with the complete course when it launches in november uh you get two full weeks to peruse around in there and find whatever value you can for free so there's no cost no credit card nothing it's a completely free download little videos big results.com that's awesome to everybody listening check the show notes check the action bullets it will be linked there. You should definitely go pick it up. When this drops, you're going to have about four weeks, maybe five. So definitely jump on that. Make sure that you jump in because there is a ton of value. If you didn't get all the value in this podcast, <laughs> you can go back and listen again, but definitely go pick up the course. I think you will be very well rewarded, very happy with it. Andrew, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much information with us. It's been absolutely amazing. Steve, thank you. My grandma had that same, is that a credenza? What is that behind you? She had the same thing. It's like a, it's like a taste of home right now. You're making me, making this me one? feel all kinds of comfortable. Yeah, no, the, yeah, with the triangle. Nope, this one, the, the wood one. Gotcha. So that's, like yeah, it's, um, it's been sitting there. It, it holds up it's books a, nicely. It's a, it's a nice piece. It just, it's like comfort food. <laughs> awesome. All right. To everybody else, until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. 
We'll see you soon.